Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Jeff started moving. I thought Jeff was going to introduce me. I was like, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, so I'm really excited to be here. Uh, it's always a pleasure to preach, even like when the weeks are crazy and long and, and things happen and uh, but whatever. But hey, thanks to the sound guys. Keith has filled in for the last two weeks for me back there, and it was just nice to be able to sing and cry during worship and raise my hands. And so, and we've got friends here from Florida, kind of, at least, you know, they were at our church down in Florida. And so the pressure's on. If I bomb, they're going to go home and tell them how bad I've gotten. No. I'm just kidding. I could, I could fail miserably, and they would still love me. So I'm emotional today. We got all that bad news last night at like 1.30, so I slept great. Um, but yeah, so, but hey, before we get started, can I just pray for us? And then we're going to dive into God's word, and I hope that he has something great for us today. God, we just thank you for this time. Jesus, we love you. God, you're so good to us. God, we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every other name, the name that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, we believe that. God, help us to sink that deep into our souls and work from that as we go into a world that needs to know that Christ came to save sinners. God, that is the good news of the gospel, God, and we need that in our soul when we go to a world that needs good news. Because bad news reigns in the world that we live in, God, but you are a better God. And so, God, would you just, God, fall afresh. God, would you cover me in this message? Would your word be so lifted high by your spirit, God? We just thank you for this time. Thank you for Christ. I thank you for the elders just letting me do this, God. And we pray today, God, that that we would see Christ. Um, We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so it's... It's probably no surprise that I had a couple favorite things in school. Uh, when I was in like elementary school, PE, top favorite, right? Number one top favorite. Second top favorite, show and tell. <laughs> so I brought show and tell. This is my little buddy. This, is, this was given to me by my parents when I was two weeks old, Right? For those of you that know, you've ever seen me swim, I've got this wicked, nasty scar on my stomach, and everybody's always like, what's that from? And I usually make something up. Um, I had a muscle removed at two weeks old, and uh, my parents gave me this guy. He probably had a name, but I named him Enoch years later. Uh, so this is the longest-lasting toy that I've got. And so this is Enoch, uh, show-and-tell fun in school. Did you like show and hell? Anybody else? Like, oh, thanks, Bonnie. Okay, at least. She's an ESFP. If you know Myers-Briggs, is ES. we're like, look at our stuff. Because here's what we learned last night. We were talking with friends. Like, if you, if you see this and you know this about me, you know a little bit more about me, right? I'm showing you something, and then I'm telling you something about it, and then you get to know me a little bit more. And so show and tell. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide him. You want to play with him afterwards? He's 41 years old, so be, be gentle. But uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, 1 Peter chapter 2. It's my Dr. Seuss moment for the day. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, 1 Peter chapter 2. 
show and tell. We go into a world, right? We go into a world and we show and we tell. And St. Francis of Assisi is quoted with saying, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And I kind of like that about this much. I don't love it because I can be really good and not tell you anything about Jesus Christ. I can show you this guy, and you don't know his story. I can show you my good works, and you could just credit me to being a good guy. But I don't think you can just tell people about Jesus. I don't think you can just say, Jesus saves sinners, and not live from that truth. The big idea of today's message is because of who you are, declare and demonstrate who God is. Because of who you are, declare and demonstrate who God is. Show and tell. Right? And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Jeff's been preaching this uh, Christianity and culture. And if you know the story of 1 Peter and you've studied it, it's all about suffering and struggles and difficulty. And Peter, I, I love Peter because when I read him in the Gospels, I'm like, that would have been me. Like, I would have stuck my foot in my mouth and said something really stupid. Like, I got you, Jesus. I won't turn away. And then I turn away. And I would have been the guy that would have said something. He'd be like, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, trying so hard. But Peter is just so straightforward in this, and I love it. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. I hope you're there. We're going to read verses 9 through 12 and then 15 for a little bit of context. Uh, I memorized this in the New American Standard, so if it gets weird, it's my fault. It says, it's so good. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles... To abstain from the flesh, the passions of the flesh. I memorize that as to abstain from fleshly lusts. Uh, sorry, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And verse fifteen: For this is the will of God, right? The will of God. What is the will of God? That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Because of who you are, declare and demonstrate who God is. And so this is the way I study the Bible. I know you're going to get sick of this because if I win, get asked to preach again. This is what we're going to do. We're going to look inside of us and we're going to see how bad we are. We're going to look up and we're going to see how good God is. And then we're going to look out to the world that we go to. Right? It is looking in here, not to see hope. There's no hope. There's no goodness that's lost, that's stuck in here. It's my sin. The only thing that's good in me is Christ. Right? But then we go out to the world to declare and to demonstrate his 
goodness. And so we're going to start with who we were. So we've got to start with the bad news before we can get to the good news. So who we were. We've got three points. I think I've got this on the slides, maybe. Yeah, well, that one too. That's a good one. That's the main idea. There you go. All right. Thanks, Guapo. Hey, buddy, you're good, man. I love you. It's fun to do this with him. We'll stop. Who you were, right? The Bible says that you were called out of what? You were called out of darkness, right? He called you out of darkness. I had a funny story. When I, some of you know I travel a lot for work. And uh, at my last job, when I traveled a lot, I would usually do like five cities in five days, right? I would go out to Atlanta, I would stop there, and then I would go to Chicago for a day, and then I would go to Phoenix for a day, and then I'd go to Seattle, and then I'd fly home. So five cities, five days, five different hotels. Not a big deal. Maybe four hotels. Except for when you don't know when you get out of your bed which way the bathroom is, right? And so I get out of bed, and I'm like, gotta go to the bathroom, and slam right into the wall, right? The window, and I'm like, and that hurts. And then I'm like stumbling around in the darkness of the, the hotel room trying to find how to get to the bathroom, right? It's not fun to try to find things in the dark. Man, when, when I heard last night about Rosalind and what's going on in her life, she's in darkness, man, and it's tough. And some of you have been there and you've felt that dark night of the soul and you're just like, man, when it's dark, It's hard to see the light. But who is Christ? He is the light of the world that came down into darkness. And light never cowers from darkness. You don't turn on the lights and darkness takes over. Light always takes over. Christ takes over. You are in the darkness. Christ comes into that, into your life, into your suffering. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Man, darkness is not fun. And sometimes darkness is scary. But Christ is the light of the world that comes in while we are in darkness. But we weren't just in in darkness. We were not a people. We were not a people. These are slides up there too, Guapo. If you just click, yep, that's the verse. Click again. There you go. One more. Thanks, buddy. Not a people. You were not a people. All of us know what it's like to not belong. To feel like we don't fit in. Right? There's a group, and you see the group, and you're like, I don't belong to that group. Jeff's been talking about it in his sermon series, right? The LGBTQ community. Community. They've tried to create a community so that they would feel like they're part of something. Because people don't feel like they're a part of something. And God says, before we came into his family, we were not a people. We didn't belong to God. And now we're God's people. And then he says, you had not received mercy. When I was in school, Harry probably did the same thing. We would play the game mercy where you would lock hands with each other and you would try to bend their hands over. And eventually, I usually ended up saying, mercy. Please stop. That hurts. I don't like it. Yes, you're stronger than me. You've proved your dominance. Quit breaking my wrist and my hand. I don't like that. right? And we cry out for mercy. And before God we would have cried for mercy all day long and never received it. We would have asked for it to stop, and it would have never stopped. The punishment was going to come no matter what we did, but it says that you, were once, you had once not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
that punishment has been taken away for your sins. These, this is who we were, man. In darkness, not a people, not receive mercy, but it doesn't end there. And that's what's so great about this passage. Because it says, this is who you were, and now we're going to move to who we are. And the descriptions that it gives, I love. And it says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, it's so good, right? We were, Jeff was over last night. We have friends in town, so we invited the Reddings over, and he was talking about our identity, And I make these really good grilled chicken wings. And I stole the recipe off Kevin. Um, And so I grill these chicken wings, right? And when I take these chicken wings, I put them in a bag. And I put a whole bunch of hot sauce in there. Some soy sauce, some ginger powder, some salt, and some pepper, and some garlic. And then you let them marinate for about a day. You throw them on the grill. Because that marinade fills the chicken, right? Our identity is like the marinade on our soul. And that cannot be removed. This identity of who you are, it doesn't go away. It's like a great marinade on a steak or chicken or chicken wings, right? But this is who you are. It says you're a chosen race. I think Paul is, or Peter is very specific here to say race on purpose, right? That's part of our identity. That's something that's core to who we are, right? What is your race? What is your nationality? What is your gender, right? And here's our race. And he says, your race is chosen. God chose you. And we talked about it the last time I preached. Don't debate me on this. Let's delight in it. We can debate after church. But God chose you. In Colossians it says, is God's chosen people put on love and compassion. You were chosen by God. He wanted you. Maybe you feel like nobody ever wanted you in your life. Your parents didn't want you. Your spouse didn't want you. You're whatever it is that didn't want you and you feel alone. And God said, I choose you. Before the foundations of the word, you were chosen in love. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. He chose you. He picked you. He wanted you. He said, you are mine. And he doesn't just choose you. He makes you a royal priesthood. I love this. Daniel's going through Leviticus. Jeff's preaching through Hebrews, the priesthood, right? What do they do? One of the main things that they did was offer sacrifices, right? They would go before God and offer sacrifices. So we're a priesthood. We offer sacrifices. You guys know the verse in Romans 12. We offer our what? As a living sacrifice. We offer our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And then in Revelation 8, 3, it says we offer our prayers and they're a sacrifice to God. In Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, it says that we offer our praise and our righteous deeds as a sacrifice to God. And in Ephesians 5, 2, it says that we offer our love and it's a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to God. Man, we are priests. For some of you, if you come from the Catholic background, you're like, no, I'm not. I don't have that thing, you know? I can't be that. No, God made you a priest. He said, you get to offer your body as a living sacrifice. You don't have to be afraid of dying. The veil has been torn, and you go before God as a priest. But you don't just offer sacrifices. We can pray to God. We have direct access to go to him and, he, and make intercession, right? In Hebrews, it says, we boldly approach the throne of grace. 
and we go to God in prayer. I just want you to think about this because I'm not great at this. My prayer life isn't what I wish it was. But if you knew that you could petition the God of the universe and make requests to him and he would listen and he would incline his ear and turn it to you and act, if we believed that, church, I think we'd pray a lot more. We'd pray a lot more for ourselves, selfishly. We'd pray a lot more for our pastors and our elders. We'd pray for our family. We'd pray for our friends who aren't saved. Because we know that we get direct access to God. I mean, imagine that. He wants to hear from you. And you're like, well, he already knows. I mean, God already knows, right? You're, you know, reformed. God already knows. Do you want to hear it from your kids? Like, do you want to hear their requests for things? You do. Not all of them, sometimes. As a dad, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we there yet? One more chicken nuggets. Is there for you know, I don't want to. But we want to hear from our kids. We want to hear from, God wants to hear from us. And he says, please, come to me. Boldly approach the throne of grace. That's not a timid request. We don't come to God timidly and say, God, please, maybe, if you still love me today. Boldly approach the throne of grace as a priest. And then he says, you're a holy nation. The you at the beginning of this is plural. All of these are very pluralistic. We are called to this in a community, a holy nation. You, if you're a Christ follower and a Christian, you have been declared holy. You are being made holy. Sanctification. And one day you will be holy in glorification. One day there's going to be a day, and Jeff has talked about this in his sermons, there's there's going to be a day when it is impossible for you to sin. Man, I can't wait for that day. We get to heaven, we get to hang out, and you get to see Topher minus sin. And sin is impossible. Man, that is going to, God, you could come back today and make that a thing. That would be amazing. Think about that. Impossible to sin. We are a holy nation. A nation that's been set apart for God to declare and to demonstrate, right? Not only that, you're God's possession, right? What is the answer to the question one of the Heidelberg Catechism? Your body is not your own. You've been bought by a price. Your body's not your own. You're God's possession. He purchased you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. You're, you've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Your body's not your own. He looks at you and he says, you're mine. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. That's what he looks down and he says about you. Because he sent us to them to die on the cross. And I know this is very like simple and hey, this is just the basic truths. We know these things, but do we live from these things? It's one thing to know these things in your head, but when it impacts your heart, it changes the way you live. Chicken wings thrown on a grill are great, they're fine, but man, when they're infused with spicy goodness, man, they are a game changer. When your life has been marinated by Jesus Christ and you're in his word and your life has changed, you're a different person to this world. And so we go from who we are to how we should live. How we should live in this world. How do we live in this world? We declare and we demonstrate. And so we've got these verses. It's a little small. Hopefully you can read it. 
so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Declare and demonstrate. Declare and demonstrate. You declare with your words, but what do you declare? His excellencies. This passage is so simple. Man, if you're learning how to study the Bible, this is my favorite part of this passage. It's like, what do I do? So that you would proclaim his excellencies. Well, what are those? And he goes through them. Proclaim his excellencies. When you think about God's excellencies, his grace, his love, his truthfulness, the fact that God cannot lie, the fact that he's unchanging. We read the song Rattle by Elevation. You may hate it, but it says that he raises dead men to life. I love that song. We listen to it almost every week, and I cry every week on the way to church. I should probably stop. That's probably why I cry when I preach. Man, when you think about going to this world, we don't go to this world and say, like I don't go up to people and say, man, God saved me, and, and I'm pretty great. I read my Bible. I go to church. I witness occasionally. I don't talk about me. When we go to this world, we don't talk about us. We are the main character. We are not the main character in the story. Christ is the main character in the story. We proclaim his excellencies when you go into the world. This book, bad news for you, isn't about the Christian. It's about the Christ. When you read this, you see Christ in here, and we lift his name high. He has finished the work, and that's what we tell this world. Not, man, I'm really good. No, I am terrible, and in my sin, the hound of heaven came for me, and he sought me, and he chased me down. That's what we declare to this world, right? We tell them about God's excellencies, and that's not always easy. Because I like to talk about me. But when we can talk about how good God is, we had a pastor friend and he used to say, man, if you're going, he would go to like campuses and talk to him about Christianity. And most people reject Christianity. He said, if you're going to reject Christianity, reject the real thing. Reject a God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins so that you could be with him in heaven forever. Well, I've heard Christianity's this, that, and the other. No, no, no. That's the message. We proclaim his excellencies, a loving, perfect God. And we don't just talk about it, right? It doesn't stop there. This passage goes on and we demonstrate with our lives as sojourners and exiles. This place, earth, U.S., Georgia, it's not our home. It's nice. It's not our home. Sometimes when I travel for work and I have to go to Europe, I'm like, ugh. Come home and I'm like, ice cubes. I'm so excited about ice cubes and drinks and cold sodas. The American flag, my friends, my family. When I'm in Europe, all I talk about is my family and my home and my friends and everything back here and ice cubes and they should put them in drinks, right? I don't like being away from here. I want to be home. But we have an even better home. And I've got a quote from C.S. Lewis. And it says that, 
Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that this universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it and suggest a real thing. We weren't made for this world. We were made for heaven. We were made to be with God. We are exiles in this world. Like We were sent here. And one day we're going to go home. We read the book Faith for Exiles. And I've got another quote. Sorry, this one's there. You're going to have three quotes in a row. Just, here it is. In some ways, the church is not preparing young disciples for the world as it is. Cultural discernment is about teaching them not just what to think, but also how to live. We must prepare them for the world as it truly is, not as we wish it to be. This is not Jerusalem. This is not our home. It's not going to be easy here. You're in exile. When you think about Daniel and his time in Babylon, it wasn't easy. Our time here isn't easy, but we're exiles in this world. It's not our home. It's for a temporary time. right? We've got these things that we just want. If this isn't our home, he said, listen, is this as strangers and exiles? What does he say? I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. I heard a pastor recently uh, say this quote. You might know him. He's sitting over there. Adele isn't wrong for wanting more out of life. Adele isn't wrong for wanting more joy and more love. But she's wrong because she's settling for so little. Adele's soul was made for Jesus Christ, and it's the same for you. There's so much more, and we settle for so little. The fleshly lusts of this world, right? If I just asked you, and I had thought about making a list of those fleshly lusts that some of us have, and I could create them, and I could put them in your mind. I just want to give you a second, man. Those lusts that are inside you, you're called to abstain from those. And you know them. You're thinking about them. And Christ says, man, you're forgiven for those. But fight them, right? If you've never fasted, right? We're getting closer to lunchtime. I'm getting hungry. I've talked about chicken wings way too much, right? You're hungry. Man, fasting, I loathe fasting. Not love, loathe entirely, right? Like the Grinch. I loathe. I don't like to fast because I don't like to tell my body no. Man, if you're struggling with sin right now, if you've got sin in your life and you can't say no to it, and you're like, I will never beat this. This sin will always hold me down and it's impossible to shake. Man, skip a meal. And you're like, well, that's not going to solve the problem. You're, gonna be, you're teaching yourself to say no to your desires. Eat lunch at a normal time or eat breakfast at a normal time. Skip lunch and don't eat until dinner. It's not intermittent fasting for health's sake. It's for your soul. 
fast and say, God, when that hunger pain starts and your stomach starts to growl and you're thinking of your pie pizza, say, no, God, I'm putting that aside and I want to think about you and I want to abstain from this food so that later I can abstain from the lusts of my flesh. And lastly, how do we do this? How do we demonstrate with our lives? We demonstrate with good deeds. In uh, verse 12, it says, So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Good deeds, doing good things. I got good news and bad news for you here. God doesn't need your good works. Let me be very clear. God does not need your good works for you to get to heaven. The man that died on the cross next to Jesus didn't do a good thing except for believe in Christ. God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does. Good works aren't going to save you. God has called us to him. Yes and amen, absolutely. Ephesians 2.10, God has predestined you for good works that you should walk in them. Yes, I'm not telling you to do good things. Do good things so that the world would see it. And it would silence the evildoers. And they would look on and go, man, that's a good deed. But God doesn't need them. Your neighbor does. Your neighbor, Martin Luther said that. I can't take credit for that. So don't write that down and go, oh, man, Tover said this. No, no, no. Martin Luther said that. God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does. Because they're going to see it and then give credit to God. Or ask you, why do you do it differently? I was at work this week at a trip and somebody came up to me and she's like, man, you post all the time on LinkedIn about your family. You just seem like you're a different sales guy. And I was like, yeah, I've got a higher calling. I'm going to be loyal and I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be fair and I'm going to be just because I'm a Christian. Before I'm a flying carpet salesman, I'm a Christian. That's what dictates everything that I do. So those good deeds, that shows her that there's something more there. You think it's just enough to, like, oh, it's not that much. I'm just on time. I just work hard. I just show up and do my job. That's a good deed that people aren't doing right now. Good deeds. So, because of who you are, you declare and you demonstrate who God is. Man, I was sitting there last night broken on the floor, crying at the table, just thinking, I'm terrible at this. I'm not great at evangelism. I know how to do it. I know what to say. Man, I took a personal evangelism class. I went to Moody Bible Institute, where Bible's our middle name. I did open-air street evangelism, downtown Chicago, preaching and drawing things. And I don't do this. But we've got a better hope. We have an exile who came from heaven, who came to this earth and lived perfectly to demonstrate and declare who God was and who he was. Christ is not just your example, right? He is a perfect example in this yes and amen, but he's your substitute when you fail. Christ was the best exile that has ever walked this earth and he was the best at declaring and demonstrating who he was and who God was and that's our hope we place our hope in Christ who declared and demonstrated to a world and they killed him but they killed him in that death that substitutionary atoning death is what saves us 
So we look at this word and we see who we were, we see who we are, and we see how we should live. My prayer is that you guys would go into the world and that you would show them and tell them about Christ. And God would be so pleased in that. I know he would. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I just thank you for the opportunity just to preach it. And God, what it's done in my life and my heart and my soul this week. God, we love you. God, I just pray that you would give us courage as we walk into a world that so desperately needs you, God, into a world that's dark. Would we bring the light of Jesus Christ? And pray this in Christ's name. Amen.